uh, just teasing that Genesis chapter 39 is where we'll be in a minute, little bit. But uh, do you know that I heard the other day that it was so cold in Washington, D.C. that even the politicians had their hands in their own pockets. <laughs> I heard the other day that um, there was a kidnapping here at Fairhaven. Did you hear about that? But it's okay now. They woke him up. Um, um, you know, I, I'm so good at sleeping that I can do it with my eyes closed. <laughs> you know that. Um, uh, how would you like? To, would you like to hear a long joke or a short joke? Long. Okay. Joke. Well, praise the Lord. You know, it is good to be here, and it's hard to find jokes that maybe might go over okay with college kids and high school kids, because they've heard about every joke that's ever been told, and, and it, it seems like. But um, and anyway, it's nice to be able to at least see you smile a little bit, you know, it's, uh, especially with all that you go through and have homework, and you're thinking probably while I'm speaking, you think, man, I wish I had this hour to study, to work on that paper that I've got to get finished and hand it in and all those kinds of things, but, well, you can't work on them this hour, so you may as well just listen, amen, and get something out of the message this morning. Uh, you know, I heard the story about a fellow that lived in the mountains, and his children went to school way down the mountain, and he wanted to hire a driver to drive his children to school and back. So he put an ad in the paper and I want to have drivers that, uh, a driver that really knows what he's doing and so on. So he interviewed the first one and, and uh, he took him for a ride down the, he, he drove down the mountain with the, with the guy that was going to hire him and, and he says, well, I want to see how good of a driver you are and see if you can keep from going off the cliffs and things like that and whatever, he drove down the mountain and he got within about a foot and a half of the edge of the cliff, you know, just really, I mean, he was really good at just keeping the car off of the cliff and made it down. And the second guy he interviewed, uh, they went down the mountain and, and he was a little bit further. He was like a foot and a half away from the edge all the way down. And then the third guy that he took down he stayed about 15, 18 feet away from the edge all the way down. That's the one he hired because he stayed away from the danger as far as he could. And that's what we need to do as Christians, of course, to stay away from the danger as far as we possibly can in life. In Genesis chapter 39, I want to read a few verses there. And it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, uh, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, 
and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Our Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help me today as I preach to these students. And God, may you uh, work up and down the aisles, in and out every seat, Lord, and speak to the students and help us, Lord, to get some things that would be valuable for our Christian life today. Please meet our spiritual needs for Christ's sake, and, and we'll be grateful and thankful for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Brother uh, Armacost was mentioning how I've been preaching here for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. I'm amazed that they even ask me to preach anymore. You know, after uh, you know, one after you've preached here probably a hundred times, you've probably preached about everything you know, just about. But uh, anyway, I'm thankful that they still love me. And still asked me to preach. And there's great preachers here. And you had one just the other day. Yesterday. Uh, Clint Schreiber. Oh he's a relative of mine I think. And um, uh, anyway he preached here. And uh, so throughout the year. I think you had my son Caleb preach not too long ago. Uh, here in chapel. And, and so uh, uh, different ones that are related to me. Will be preaching here. Probably for the next 40 or 50 years. If the Lord tarries. Uh, that there will be some Bottrell here or someone that's related to the Bottrells by getting married and changing their name. I think they ought to just have the husband change his name to Bottrell to, to keep it in the family, you know. But I don't know. But anyway, back to our lesson here that we're talking about here in the book of Genesis. You all know the story of Joseph, and I don't have to reiterate all of that and how he had the coat of many colors. And... Uh, was uh, hated by his brothers and then sold into slavery. And then he was brought to Potiphar's house and he was bought by Pot Potiphar. And, and so now he's in Potiphar's house and 
uh, he said no to temptation. Said no to temptation. Uh, uh, Joe, uh, uh, he, he, he left his coat rather than stay there and commit sin with this woman. And so I could t- title this Joseph's Other Coat. It's not the coat of many colors, but it's the other coat that he had. Now, Joseph was tempted. He was normal. I don't think Joseph was retarded. I think he was intelligent. God was blessing him. God was with him. But now he has this temptation. And folks, it wasn't just one day that he had victory over temptation. Day by day, day by day, she was after him. And he kept saying no. He kept saying no, no, no. Why should I sin against God and do this thing? And so he kept saying no, and he rejected that. And so I want to speak this morning about how you can have victory over moral problems in your life. Everyone is tempted, especially in this wicked, ungodly world that we're living in today. Do you know that when I was a young man, bad information and bad images and so on were really difficult to get because they didn't have anything on display. They didn't have any such thing as cell phones. They had even television compared to today was almost like having church services on television. I mean, it was, I mean, they didn't have any bad words at all on television and things like that. Uh, back in whenever I was, you know, in ancient history days, you know, and uh, back then. But but they, they do now. And, uh, but folks, we're all tempted to do wrong. Men and women both are tempted to do wicked and ungodly things. And I want to help you today, hopefully, to have victory over some things in your life. Temptation will kind of slip up on you like it did on Joseph, and day by day. And, and uh, the Satan is walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. No one is above that. You may be the most spiritual person in this room today, and Satan is after you as much, if not more, as anybody else. In my lifetime, I've seen men that I thought, Wow, what a giant of the faith. What a great godly man that is. And I've seen them fall into sin and ruin their lives because they, they did not reject the advancements of someone. Uh, I made up my mind when I first started pastoring because I had heard about some preachers that had gone into sin. And uh, I made up my mind that if any woman ever came and uh, adv- made advancements to me. Now, I don't know why they would, as ugly as I am, you know, but, uh, but sometimes there's idiot girls that they don't pay attention to what you look like, you know, and, and so on. But, but uh, uh, what I would do, and you know that I'm not going to tell you any details about it, but one day I, had a, uh, 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 I was in my office and no one else was in, I had my office in my house, but nobody else was in the house. And this lady opened the door, and I looked up and said, can I help you? 
I was behind my desk, and, and she said, I just wanted to tell you, preacher, that I'm in love with you. What did I do? I said immediately, because I had programmed myself ahead of time of what I was going to do. And I said, have you told your husband? We need to go right now and tell your husband. No, no, no. Hey, man, it wasn't but two or three seconds and she was gone. And she never one time ever came after me again. And... uh, uh, but, man, I was ready to just run out there and tell her husband exactly what she said and, and so on and, and get that thing taken care of. But I think it would be a good idea if you figured out a way out ahead of time so that when something like that happens to you, that, that you will um, immediately take the right step and have victory over that temptation in your life. Um, and let me just say that the lady was not an ugly lady. I'm not going to describe what she looked like or anything, but she was not a lug- ugly lady. And, and, and uh, you don't want to uh, mention this because I've never even told my wife about it. <laughs> and, and so you know more, th- uh, something that my wife doesn't even know. Okay? And, um, but, uh, and she, might, she would probably know the lady if I told you her name. But, but anyway, temptation will come. And it'll come whether you're away from the Lord or not. And you need to be programmed in your own heart of how you're going to live. And one of the things to do is to memorize a verse of scripture or two or three or four or 20 or 30. And uh, that, that has to do with something that you're tempted with. And learn those verses and use those verses in your own heart and in your life. So that you'll not submit to wickedness and sin in your life. Now, uh, even if it's not something that's moral, say if, say if you have a problem with drinking, and it's not beyond a Christian to have a problem with drinking, but uh, if you had a problem there, you need to memorize, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever deceived thereby is not wise, or look not upon wine when it moveth within the glass and turneth itself aright, and so on. And, and there's like about 70 verses in the Bible that tell you uh, that liquor is bad and you ought not to be drinking liquor and, hard, you know, and stuff like that. So memorize some verses of Scripture that will go with it and help you. Um, and... Uh, let me just say that temptation is not sin. Yielding to temptation is sin. Everybody will be tempted to do wrong. Everybody will be tempted to sin. You might be tempted to lie. You might be tempted, tempted to lose your temper. You might be tempted to gossip. You might be tempted to smoke. You might be tempted to drink. You might be tempted to wear uh, clothes that you ought not to be wearing. Uh, and uh, all kinds of things that you would be, could be tempted. And it's not wrong to be tempted, but it is wrong to yield to temptation and mess your life up because of it. Joseph uh, was Faithful to God, faithful to the Lord, and we need to be faithful to the Lord. And let me just tell you that there's times that you will be alone, you'll be nobody will be around, and and so on, and you will be tempted, and you'll think, well, nobody will know. But let me tell you something: God will know, and you will know, and you will miss out on many of the blessings of life and be paying for it for the rest of your life. She says in verse number nine, "How can I do?" This great wickedness and sin against God. Kind of like David. 
when David uh, sinned with Bathsheba and had Uriah killed. And you've read that story before in the Bible. And if you read Psalm 51, you'll find out that David said uh, that against thee, talking about God, against thee and thee only have I sinned. I think it had a pretty negative effect upon Uriah that he was killed. Don't you think it had a bad effect upon him? I think it affected even Bathsheba regardless of whose fault it was that he fell into that sin. Uh, but, he, but whenever he got forgiveness from God, he says, against thee and thee only have I sinned. And when you sin, you sin against God. You sin against the one that made you. You sin against God Almighty when you fall into sin. And so you need to keep that in mind. Uh, in James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sounds like there's a pretty big payment for sin. Oh, how we need to be right with God and how we need to always be... uh, uh, held up by the scripture that comes to our hearts and our minds and and by the good uh, preaching that you get at Fairhaven Baptist Church and (coughs) Fairhaven Baptist College and even your home church and so on. But uh, when Joseph was tempted, the Bible says that he got himself out. He got himself out of there. Now, if you only read part of it, you think, why in the world didn't he grab that robe that she had a hold of and take it with him? Well, he might have done that had he known exactly what was going to happen in the next few hours. But he did the important thing. He got out of there. And thank God that he had victory over that wickedness and sin that he was tempted there with his life. Uh, Joseph was more concerned with his relationship with God than his personal desires. He was thinking about the future. As most of you are thinking about your future. When you graduate from college. Maybe God's called you to preach already. And you're preparing your life to preach. And you want God to use you in a great way. But it can all be undone in a moment. It can be undone in a moment if you, if you don't uh, put on put some uh, boundaries there and, and don't get close to the edge. Don't dwell around temptation. Get away from it. Um, if you're on a diet, I would suggest that you not go to the place that has the 75-foot-long buffet. If you are trying to quit smoking, hope none of you smoke, But if you were trying to quit smoking, don't hang around all kinds of people that smoke. Get away from it. If you have a problem with drinking, don't spend any time in a bar. And don't spend any time in a bar even if you don't drink. But you don't get around people that are drinking if you want to have victory over drinking. Let's say you have trouble saying uh, uh, bad words or words that (coughs) cuss words. (coughs) <coughs> then don't hang around people that cuss. 
Man, you're, the atmosphere of people that you're around is so important. And man, you need to put on the whole armor of God. And part of the armor of God is being around good Christian fellowship and around people that have standards that are at least as high as yours, if not higher than yours are. Don't dwell around temptation. Get away from it. Stay away from it. And get rid of things that cause you to have those temptations. Uh, Let's just say if you have a temptation of getting on your cell phone and looking at things that are wicked and ungodly, it would be better for you to throw that stupid thing away and get you a flip phone that won't do nothing except make a phone call. And have the character to be away from that temptation and not, not uh, have that in your life in order that you have to fight it every day and every time you're, you're away from somebody, every time you're by yourself, if you can't control, man, you need to, need to do right. That's wickedness and ungodliness. Whenever I was uh, young, you couldn't find anything like that. If you wanted something like that... You went in some kind of a store that had it and you had to ask for it because it was hidden behind the counter somewhere. You didn't have it available like it is today. And so don't dwell around temptation if you are tempted on something. If you're on a, if you are trying to quit doing things that are wicked and ungodly, then don't be around them. Let's say, uh, you say, well, preacher, uh, it's not wrong to watch TV if you only watch things that are good. But do you know that today that they say bad words on TV? Like D-A-M-N. They say that a lot. And they say other words like H-E-L-L. Not in a preaching sense. You know, not saying if you die without Christ, you're going to go uh, to hell. That's not talking about that. They're using bad language. And do you know what Christians do? They turn it on and they're watching it. And all of a sudden, maybe you're watching a DVD or something. And all of a sudden, a bad word comes on. Oh, man, I wish they wouldn't do that. And then then it comes on again. And and after four or five words, you say, we can't watch this one. You got to turn it off. So you turn it off. But then the next one that you're watching, then it goes a little bit further. And pretty soon you get callous to it and you listen to a whole, mo- a whole movie that has all kinds of bad stuff in it. And, and, and you don't agree with any of it, but it, some of it's rubbing off on you. Some of it's getting in your heart a little bit. Some of it's getting in your life a little bit. And it'll become part of your life. You know, you can't eat uh, uh, the same food all the time. And expect it not to have an effect upon your body. Uh, You can't listen to the wrong things all the time. And expect it not to have any kind of an effect upon you. Listen, it'll have an effect upon you. It'll hurt your ministry. It'll hurt your life. It'll hurt your marriage. It'll hurt you in raising your children for the Lord. (coughs) The Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 18 says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with the temptation 
also make a way to escape. Keep a record. Do you know that every time you're tempted, God will give you a way to escape? He promises that in the Bible. And if you would think about it, you have a way to escape that temptation whenever it comes to you. If you would take the, uh, the route of getting away from that temptation or not submitting to that temptation. Take the way of escape. Watch it. Watch it. Listen to it. Listen to the Holy Spirit of God speak to you. Look, look, look at what happens whenever you're tempted about something and so on. Uh, the Bible says uh, uh, in Romans thirteen fourteen, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Live like Christ. Put him first in your life. Be what God wants you to be. It'll help you to have victory over wickedness and sin in your life. Second Peter chapter 2, <clears throat> verse number 9 says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. God knows how to deliver you. God can deliver you. God can help you. If you just trust the Lord with all of your heart, lean not to your own understanding and follow Him and follow God's leadership. You know, we're tempted when we allow ourselves to get close to the edge. Um, do you know, if you go to the Grand Canyon, they have a book in the little stores there that you can find, and it, it's filled plumb full of stories of people that got too close to the edge of the Grand Canyon and fell off. I have seen many pictures of individuals taking a selfie, and the story is that they lost their balance or slipped and fell off into the Grand Canyon or wherever it was. Just a couple of weeks ago, there was some guy and his wife or his girlfriend, one, were up at the Grand Canyon, and he had a rope tied around something, and he had the rope tied to him. And he was down leaning over the Grand Canyon and taking some pictures of him. I don't know whether the rope broke or it slipped or came undone or what happened, but that guy fell off, and he is dead. You know why? He was stupid. He got too close to the edge. Too close to the edge. Oh, listen, so many Christians have, have uh, messed up their whole life because they got too close to the edge. They didn't want to get into the sin. They just wanted to see what it was all about. A couple of pulpits I've fallen off of because I got too close to the edge. That's dangerous for somebody my age. Dangerous for anybody, I guess, but... but uh, but you know that uh, it's very, very interesting uh, when you read some of those stories. What happens when we let impure thoughts get into your mind and you start entertaining these impure thoughts and these ungodly things that you're thinking about and so on, that you think about it and hash it over in your mind long enough and pretty soon those impure thoughts will become a reality and you'll fall into wicked sin in your life. We get so accustomed to impure things that they no longer bother us like they used to bother us. We need to not get used to sin. 
Not get accustomed to sin. Not get, get, the, get it so that you ought to always be uncomfortable around wickedness. Um, I had relatives that I grew up with. My, we'd go see them. And some of them didn't have very clean mouths. And it would make me almost sick at my stomach whenever we would visit some of my relatives and I'd hear some of the things that they would say. Folks, it, we ought to always never get used to sin, never get used to wickedness. It ought to be something that's very terrible and very ungodly uh, for you. Do um, You know, um, uh, when I was young, nobody ever said the word H-O-M-O, etc. Nobody ever said that. It was so wicked and so ungodly. Even people that weren't even Christians never talked about anything like that. And over the last 20 years or so, it has gotten so bad that most independent, fundamental, Bible-believing preachers are afraid to preach against homosexuality because the world's attitude is it's all okay. Nothing's wrong with it. We need to get to the, we don't need to get calloused about that, those things. We need to, we need to be uh, against what God's against and find out what God says about things. And we need to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. Be against the things that are wrong and be for things that are good. And folks, the closer you get to the edge, the more you'll get used to things that are bad. And pretty soon they won't bother you very much at all. And pretty soon you'll be involved in some of those things. Wish I had time to give some other illustrations, you know, and so on. But, you know, we should get the impurities out of our heart. If there's things in your heart and in your life that ought not to be there, get those things cleaned up in your life. Get on your knees somewhere, even in your closet, in your uh, wherever it is, and pray, Oh God, clean up my mind so I'll have a clean mind. Help me not to think about these bad things in my life anymore. Lord, clean my life up. I want to honor you with my life. And, and so if you'll do that, God can answer your prayer, and God can help you clean your life. The <coughs> Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't it be nice to have a mind that thought like Jesus thought? Every time the devil came to him and tempted him, what did he do? He quoted a verse of scripture to the devil. That's what he did. And that's what you ought to have in your mind and in your life whenever the devil comes and tempts you about something. Have a verse of scripture that you can quote to the devil and say, Get behind me, Satan. Get out of here. And I'm going to do right. I'm going to live right. Thoughts and desires, as I mentioned earlier, eventually become a reality. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, that's out of your heart, are the issues of life. If you fill your mind with thoughts of money, chances are you'll be greedy and grasping and materialistic. If you fill your heart with violence, chances are you'll become pushy and obstinate and ready to fight and angry and, and uh, uh, things like that. 
If you think immoral thoughts, then pretty soon you're going to be acting out some of those immoral thoughts in your life. But fill your minds with things that the Bible says fill your minds with, such as uh, 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 things that are true and things that are honest things that are pure and things of good report and virtuous things and praiseworthy things. You become like Christ if you fill your mind with the right things. The place to start is finding the right types of things to think about in the Bible. Find those things and learn some of those things that are good things in the Word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul, Psalm 19. Uh, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true and righteous. Do you know that it's cheaper to build a fence than to buy an ambulance? Did you know that? And, uh, you know, you can... You can prevent going to hell by getting saved. But once you die, there's not a thing in the world you can do about it. Uh, You can uh, prevent losing your virtue. But once you've lost your virtue, you can't, there's no cure to it to get it back. You don't have it anymore. When someone commits adultery, you can be forgiven. But the price is extremely high that you have to pay. Remember the story of a son and his dad. And his dad said, son, every time you do something bad, I'm going to give you this hammer and this nail. And I want you to go out and hammer a nail in that post. And so... He did a bunch of things bad. He was a bad little kid. And so dad gave him a lot of nails. And he went out and he hammered these nails each time in the post. And then his dad said, now son, each time you do something good, you can pull a nail out. And so he thought, well, I'm going to change. And he started doing things good. And each time he'd go out and pull one more nail out of the, out of the post. And one day he came to daddy and says, Daddy! I've got all the nails pulled out of the post now. Isn't that wonderful? And dad said, yes, son, that's good, but let me show you something. And he took him out and showed the post to him and said, look at all of the holes that are still there. You may get things right with God. You may repent and get things straightened out, but there are things that you have to pay anyway, even if you did, you know, And so, man, the best thing is don't do those things in the first place. Thank God we have a God that will forgive us. And if you've gotten into sin, then uh, get it straightened out and get things straightened out. But uh, ambulances are expensive. You can build a fence pretty cheaply. Do you know restoration is an ambulance? Separation is the fence. You You know, it's great that we have a Reformers Unanimous here at church that we can help people that have problems however wouldn't it be great if they never got in trouble like that if they didn't have to have the reform reformation forgiveness is an ambulance godliness is the fence Um, drug rehab is an ambulance abstinence from drugs is a fence 
Repentance is an ambulance. Purity is a fence. Restitution is an ambulance. Steadfastness is a fence. You know, a paddle for children, little kids, not you all, of course, is a, is a fence. Godly example is a fence. Consistent testimony in your life is a fence. A family altar is a fence. Discipling is a fence. Obedience to God is a fence. The love of God is a fence. Now, only a fool would prefer spending $100,000 on an ambulance or building a $200 fence. A fence is a lot better than an ambulance. You know, Joseph was tempted. Joseph had victory over temptation. David was tempted. David fell into sin. Joseph was made second in the kingdom. David had to pay fourfold for his sin even after he asked God for forgiveness. It's better not to mess up in the first place. Could we have every head bowed, please, and every eye closed? Have you been tempted? Are you backslidden? Away from God? God is a God of forgiveness and restitution, yes. But maybe Satan's been after you and you need to 